Hello and welcome to the Recursive Podcast. Today, my guest is an illustrator and designer turned entrepreneur, Gergana Stanchova. She and her co-founder discovered a way to say goodbye to plastic in the packaging industry. Together, they created Lemon, a startup producing biodegradable laminating film for print and packaging. And they do it all here in Bulgaria. Geri, thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, where, where do we start? It's an um, interesting story that you have. Uh, let's let's uh, go all the way back to your um, artistry and your creativity that turned into entrepreneurship. Um, when did this all begin? When did you switch uh, sides? From illustration to, to entrepreneurship. Uh, 2017, uh, it was the year uh, we were working with uh, Angie, who is my co-founder, uh, on various projects and First of all, we figured out we work very well together, which was a great plus. Uh, and then, because we both worked in print, from my illustrative and graphic design fields, I was constantly in and out of print houses, so I was very aware of the issues uh, laminating films were causing. Uh, because once applied to paper, it makes the whole thing almost impossible to recycle, so all of the products like uh, magazines and different types of advertising materials and almost all of the boxes of metal, the cardboard and paper around us, they all go to landfills or incinerated. So that issue was, you know, quite visible for us. And so we started looking for various, you know, ways we can just buy a biodegradable laminating film from somewhere and use it for our personal projects. We did not find any <laughs> anywhere. We looked pretty much all over the world. Then we started researching how we can you know, substitute it, and then because we did not find a proper substitution, what we can use instead of petroleum-based polymers, and then we started looking into biopolymers, and then we started calling people from the Bulgarian Academy of Science, and and <laughs> the ball rolled yeah, <laughs> into <see>. business. <laughs> Funny thing is that we met the, for the first time in 2017 on a yes. Forbes event called mm. 30 Under 30, yeah. where you and Angie were both nominated for this uh, very nice award. I didn't know that it took you like so um, little time actually to get in, get in the radar mm. of, of people. Afterwards, you were part of um, uh, some amazing uh, tournaments, let, let's say, for, for <laughs> startups, yeah. competitions, absolutely like uh, Climate Kick and uh, Chivas Venture, where yeah. you were in top 10. How do how do you manage to develop uh, such a quick synergy and a product in such a short time? Well, the product was not developed okay. in a short time. We basically just finished with the, the final product. So we've been talking about it for a long time mm -hmm. because we needed the press, because we needed attention in order to get funding. Mm -hmm. So that was why we've been you know, talking about Lemon for so long. Uh, but yeah, in 2017, we were actually a part of the Climate, Kick, Climate Launchpad. Mm -hmm. Uh, which was a competition about really early stage uh, green ideas, which we were because we, at this point we had, you know, basically no real idea how to build a business and how to do all of that. So, but during that process of the climate launch paths, because there were a lot of boot camps and we traveled quite a bit and, you know, they pushed us to, to validate our ideas, to talk to the customers and so on and so forth. Actually, we, we did manage to validate the idea and it was very obvious that there is a market pool for such product. And yeah, the time is about now to, to launch such, an, uh, such a product on the market. So yeah, because of the Climate Launchpad, we got nominated for Forbes 30 Under 30, I think. 
And then after that, we got into an accelerator program, which was our first funding. Although small, it was actually enough to, to develop a lab prototype. Then Chivas Venture, where we got more money, and that helped us to develop a you know industry-based uh, prototype, meaning on the big machines <laughs> mm -hmm. that we use now. Um, so yeah, and it's been a constant you know, trial and error because yeah, we had a working prototype, but even the prototype needed quite a bit of work <laughs> to be done on it. Something, so yeah. something very interesting is coming your way. Uh, yes. A, a battle, I must <laughs> battle. say. Yeah. Tell us, uh, more, uh, tell us a bit more about uh, getting the ring. In about two weeks, we're going to Hague, where we're going to get in the ring. <laughs> uh, and again, that's a global competition for entrepreneurs and startups or, you know, very young companies uh, looking for funding. So the, the whole idea is, you know, as you can imagine from the name, you just get in the ring and you try to pitch your idea and then you try to pitch it better than, you know, your opponent and win the uh, convertible loan up to 500,000 euro. Awesome. Should be great. <laughs> we'll be keeping your fingers crossed for this. Thank you. And uh, of course, uh, getting in the ring, uh, unlike in boxing and <laughs> more, more about wrestling, you always need a partner. Yes. Uh, so uh, how did you manage to to find the right partner, uh, especially in, in, in this industry mm -hmm. where there's this creativity that's meeting innovation. Yeah. You actually have two, right? <laughs> yeah. I have two partners. It's yeah. the three of us in the in the core team. Angie, Angelo Ivanova, we've been friends for long before we started working together. So that's been easy and hard, but we've been very, you know, diligent about communicating a lot and trying to separate mm -hmm. as much as possible work from you know, fun because although we work all day together, then we usually go out together as well. So we do spend all of our time together. Uh, so yeah, we've been really trying to to figure out a balance where you know one doesn't get in the way of the other. And then Philip, we found uh, from the Bulgarian Academy of Science, uh, uh, associate professor Derinka Christova, who was the first person we got in touch from there, actually introduced us to him. And he's kind of our age and he's a metalhead as well, which is <laughs> awesome because we share that. And yeah, he, he's just a really smart guy who wants to actually implement his knowledge and all of his experience in the field into the real life. So yeah, he really got on board really fast and then accepted to work for you know a certain amount of time with no money <laughs> on site. So yeah, it was great. It was great to actually find somebody who is in that field to help us out. Would you be able to describe some kind of recipe for uh, developing such a fruitful relationship? Trust your gut, I think is, is one. Uh, and then communicate a lot. I mean, just talk everything out. And if something bothers you even a little bit, just bring it up as soon as possible and don't wait for things to, to kind of build up and fester mm. and for you to, you know, develop some kind of conflict where, you know, non -co no conflict was really needed to, to happen. So, yeah, communication. <laughs> awesome. Uh, That's my mantra. <laughs> the, 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 this is a great advice. Um, <laughs> I strongly believe in uh, good communication. Mm. So, talking about communication, let's go back a bit. Uh, actually, you're coming from an industry that's more or less used to the way it works. And then you're entering with a, with an idea that probably sounds ridiculous to some people, impossible to others. And how did you face this, this can't happen thing? 
And how did you manage to, to deal with the people that are like not believing in yeah. its possibility to come true? Well, to be honest, the people who really didn't believe uh, that this could be done were Philip's colleagues that we got in touch before that. So the science community was really like, yeah, no, girls, that, yeah, that can't be done. So we, we did receive quite a few no's beforehand. Then the other big part of <laughs> our no uh, era was looking for yeah. subcontractors who would actually help us mm. try to, you know, try this recipe, try different recipes and try to use a standard polymer extrusion machine to with biopolymers and not with petroleum-based polymers. So there were, you know, just one company agreed to, to work with us. And even that was a great success because <laughs> we, at one point we were not sure we could manage that. But to be honest, print houses and, you know, the, the whole print community was really welcoming. And because they already have customers mm -hmm. who are actively looking for such products, they themselves were looking for that type of product as well. So the our market was ready for us. The, the production site was not ready. Mm -hmm. So that was the hardest part. So the motivation came from the, the demand on the market, I would say. I think so, yeah. And just because we knew that things could be done better and there was no real reason for, because we already had a, a lab prototype. So we knew, yeah, this could be done. <laughs> mm -hmm. It actually looks the same. It's, it works the same. It's, you know, if mass produced, awesome. it can actually substitute petroleum-based lamination. And this could actually change the way we, you know, make this much pollution. Uh, I'm sure that there were times that you were like, okay, let's, let's say that this is it. Let, let's just quit <laughs> it. I mean, how yeah. did you manage both of you, uh, because it was you and Angie, um, to say, okay, no, 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 we, we'll, keep, we'll keep trying one more time. I think it's because it's two of us. I mean, it's not just one person. If it was just me, I think I would have quit, you know, like a hundred and, no, a thousand times. But because it's the two of us, whenever one goes down, you know, the other one just <laughs> pushes it a little bit and then you move on. And plus, because very early on, quite a few people believed in us and then we knew the market, you know, print houses believed in the, that type of product. You know, you can't really pull out before you've tried to really, really hard. So, I see. yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> peer pressure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting thing that you mentioned uh, as well is the science, uh, science type of stuff where people in the science community are like, now oh, this is not happening, but um, the business actually, the demand, the market was there. Mm. So mm, as, a, as a business, as a startup idea that basically turns business knowledge uh, and science into a product mm. uh, how did you manage to find and make such a connection because actually uh, this kind of connection is missing in most uh, at most times in bulgaria and bulgaria in bulgaria especially mm. it's it's a huge issue uh, that's something that most western countries are really trying to to push uh, from a very early stage from school up to university mm. they're trying to mix uh, you know the two fields science and and entrepreneurship and, and business. Uh, unfortunately here, that's not the case. And to be honest, we were just really annoying. I mean, we just started calling and mailing absolutely everybody we could find, working with polymers of any kind, <laughs> then mailing everybody in the Bulgarian Academy of Science who was somehow connected with uh, biopolymers. And as I mentioned, Associate Professor Derink Christova was just answered our email, then met with us and just started giving us uh, uh, 
literature we can read and answering, you know, basic questions and helping us out, you know, just figure out because, yeah, we started reading about it, but, you know, it's quite different when somebody who actually knows <laughs> the fields, uh, you know, gives you some knowledge and Cold calling and is helps the way. You. Cold calling is the way, yeah. And just being really stubborn about it and not taking no for an answer. I think that's, <laughs> that's the recipe for success. <laughs> Yeah, um, because you previously mentioned that the, the market is there, so there people are looking for this product. Mm. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't ask you if um, uh, educating client is something that you keep doing. But um, how do you how do you see this, the, the the pace that the businesses are turning into sustainability mm. into more socially responsible against? environmental impact, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, how is this process um, happening at the moment? Well, thankfully, the, the last few years were, you know, change has been really visible. And mm. thanks to the single-use plastic ban legislations and all of that, the business is, you know, altogether moving into a greener direction, which is awesome. Of course, actually, we do keep uh, talking about laminating a lot and we do try to educate people still because, yeah, print houses know what the issue is because they kind of create the issue, they use lamination. Some businesses who use, for example, laminated boxes to package their food products or whatever, they're also sometimes aware of the issue, but not really, they have other things to worry about. So yeah, there is still a, you know, a, a barrier between all the different sections of, of the packaging industry where communication is a bit lost and not everybody really takes into consideration the amount of trash we create that we have no idea how to dispose of. So yeah, we do try to, you know, educate the general public as much as possible, and that's why such interviews are awesome. Or getting into uh, some type of uh, global competition is great. Even if you don't win anything, you just get to talk about laminating films and packaging folks and you know things that should be compostable and are not. And laminating films are not even in the single-use plastic ban for some reason. Um. Here in southeastern Europe, hmm. recycling is not a uh, not a very yeah. trendy topic. <laughs> but going through Central and Western Europe, mm -hmm. it becomes a part of the culture. And um, basically, here the market is not as big as mm. the worldwide market, and especially in the countries that are uh, well prepared to um, take the responsibility for recycling. So, how does a Bulgarian manufacturer go global? Mm. What's the plan? <laughs> Again, cold mailing cold <laughs> and talking mailing. to people. Uh, in all honesty, yeah, we LinkedIn was a great uh, tool uh, to get in touch with absolutely everybody who was in some way uh, involved with uh, laminating field, different, you know, distributors or print houses or whatever. You just, you know, talk to them and ask, what do you need? If that product is available, how much are you willing to pay? What exactly do you need in that product? Sizes, thickness? What machines do you use? Then what machines do your colleagues use? Uh, and also every time we've traveled for any type of work events uh, and competition we managed to, to get into, we just would use the, our free time to map all the print houses uh, around us and would just go from print houses to print house. We did get uh, thrown out a few times because <laughs> people really don't expect for you to just jump in their print house and be like, hey, <laughs> we don't have a meeting, but we have a few questions. <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, that was the plan. But that's how we got quite a big database of potential clients who already know us. We know exactly what they want and how to make the product. 
great for them and then what are they willing to pay for it so awesome. yeah we we did that before we did the product or before we finalized the product for sure it, this is the smartest thing isn't it i think so uh, because then you you know that what you're doing can actually you know as soon as it's done you can start shipping it straight away to to customers Not selling but shipping yeah uh, that's what we've been doing right now we are shipping uh, samples you know all over europe for people to to try and give us feedback and if something is not working perfectly then we figure out how to you know make it work and so on and so forth wow. all right um <laughs> it's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah talking about this um do you think there's a uh, some kind of unique selling proposition for southeastern europe and uh manufacturers that are based here mm. um so what do you think i think we're at a great place to sell not only to Europe, but because we're in a such central space, we do have, you know, quick ways to sell to Asia, for example. Um, so, you know, location-wise, we are in a good place. Uh, you know, wages here are a lot smaller. So, you know, that type of, that part of the production is cheaper, again, which is great, you know, if you're trying to compare with Western Europe. Unfortunately, the electricity issue right now is driving everybody out of the country. That could even be an issue for us, to be honest, because we cannot compete with China's production, for example. Even with their shipping fees and, you know, import fees and all of that, their their products production mm. price will still be lower than ours just because we our electricity is like a hundred times mm. higher or more expensive. So yeah, we we have uh, good things and bad things, and it's just about figuring out how to <laughs> how to you know jump all all over the hoops. That's uh, the, the the startup. It's like jumping off of a cliff oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, creating an airplane. Uh, <laughs> Midair. Uh... Yeah, yeah. It's a constant constant battle with things you did not expect to happen, mm. and yeah, you just you and that's why you need a good team to to help you figure it out. So you're the one in the, in Lamon that's doing the sales. Yes. Um, <laughs> how did you learn to do sales or because of your commitment towards sustainability, mm. you're also very um, much aware of what you're eating. You're a vegan. And so it's a, what you live. Mm. Is it, does this make it easier for you to sell such an idea? I think so. I think it's all about believing in the idea and that's why you are able to sell it. To be honest, both Angie and I uh, are doing the sales. I'm more of the fundraiser, meaning I sell the idea to the people I want funding from. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm the competition <laughs> pitching person. Uh, but yeah, I think it's all about if you believe that what you're doing is is worth it and that that product is really good and it will make a difference. It's, you know, I think it's easier to... Or I, I, I've never tried to sell something and I don't believe in, so mm. I don't really have a way to compare, but I guess it's easier. <laughs> Talking about this, there's a story, a legend, that you uh, sold the idea of getting your first tattoo to your mother when you were 15, 16. <laughs> Is that a legend? Yeah. Uh, so, legend. Uh, <laughs> I, I did, actually. <laughs> tell, tell, me, tell me a bit more about this situation, please. It sounds very interesting. Like a teenager selling her mother an idea to get uh, her first tattoo that you're getting it. So. I'm pretty sure that my mother sold me the idea in order to stop me from getting tattooed at 15 or 16. I don't have a clear recollection of that. But yeah, the, our deal was if I wait till I'm 18, she'll pay for my first tattoo and you know help me get it in a proper tattoo shop and not in somebody's garage. So yeah, 
very smart move, to be honest. Although I think she hoped that that would be the last one. And it did not work out. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I see. Uh, yeah. You chose uh, this uh, creative part of um, education mm. uh, that led you into illustration and design. Uh, can you tell us a bit more? And do you think that the education that you got actually is helping you right now with what you're doing as a startup owner mm. and founder and fundraiser? <laughs> I don't know about that. I've been drawing, you know, since I can remember. So that was always kind of, you know, the path I was supposed to to take. Um, so yeah, and my, you know, I studied animation cinema. I did not even finish that uh, as a, you know, as dropout. I, I'm a dropout. Awesome. <laughs> I am a dropout Journey because I, I got really yeah. disappointed in the system mm -hmm. and I wasn't happy with what they were teaching us because it wasn't really the work that was, you know, being done all over the world. It was something that's been done like 20 years ago. And because the industry moved so fast, it was not even used anymore mm -hmm. so i was really frustrated of you know with the way the education system was working so i dropped out and just started working straight away um, as an illustrator and graphic designer then i started freelancing and i think freelancing kind of led to to the entrepreneurship part because at that point i had to not only find clients but communicate with them myself you know bargain my prices and then you know have only myself to blame if i'm you know, I'm behind on work or if I don't have enough work or if I'm not communicating great with the client or whatever. So, you know, it taught me to, first of all, again, the communication thing, talk to people and be really clear with what I can do and how and when. And also just try, you know, I think it taught me to, you know, recognize what type of people I'm talking with. Better negotiating people well. skills. <laughs> yeah, I see. But uh, it seems like uh, I've missed this part of the story where freelancing makes you um, extreme owner of what you what's happening in your life, yeah. and also teaches you how to do business properly, not to starve to death or yeah, yeah. Uh, not and to overwork yourself. There's nobody else to blame. Oh no, you you overwork yourself as a freelancer <laughs> for sure. At least at least. Three or four burnouts, you you know, you you need to have, and you know, until you get it, that you know, you actually need rest. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about rest, um, how do you rest? Uh, dog walks and friends, and I do love to dance, and I do love live shows, which you know, hopefully, we're going to get some soon. <laughs> Back. Back soon, yeah. yeah. Uh, books. Yeah. So yeah. Work-life balance is a topic of uh, this season yeah. on the recursive. <laughs> so how do you maintain it? Is, is these all the things that you do when you want to like, chill out and yeah. step out of the, of the game that's 24-7 actually? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm great at balancing yet. Uh, mm. I, both Angie and I do tend to work, you know, seven days a week. Mm. And we don't really, you know, it's rare that we manage to just get... No, no, it's a day off now. <laughs> it's Sunday. <laughs> Chill and don't talk to me about work. Um, I think, again, because we are friends and work always comes up, that's also an issue. Um, but yeah, I am trying to, to balance it and I think we're getting better at it. But yeah, I just most of the time I just, you know, spend my free time with the people I love and with animals and some type of nature around me. Or the park or, you know, walking around in Sofia is also great, especially now it's Gorgeous. Mm. So, yeah. A friend of mine, a fellow entrepreneur, of course, 
yeah. uh, has this strategy that I'm going to uh, share right now. He works uh, rest. This is what stays in the calendar. Yeah. It says work rest. So he's working the rest because uh, there is no other way for him to to <laughs> stop working. So uh, this might be a good idea for you. <laughs> to be honest, we we now actually have uh, you know I'm out of office things in our calendars just so we have you know parts <laughs> that are not for meetings and not for work, and then the other mm. one knows that no, okay, yes. that's that's a time off. Do you still take some time to draw? Oh yeah, and I, and I do still freelance. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's why I don't, <laughs> I don't really rest, rest a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially for Stereofox, which is a, a music mm. platform. Uh, I still work with them and I do some visuals for vinyl covers or music releases. So I do, I do visuals for them and then even, even now and then I draw for myself. <laughs> Have you ever had Just a, to <laughs> release it. Yeah. Have you ever had a corporate job? And how did the, no. the working hours <laughs> work out with you? The corporate in the sense of really corporate, no. Uh, mm. I did work in a startup that was, you know, much more structured than Lamont, meaning that mm. we work from home because we don't really need an office and stuff. We have a production facility now, but that's another thing. But yeah, I had no, well, I'm going to say I had no issue, but then maybe I did have an issue with the working hours because I would prefer to go a bit later and then stay for longer and not take a break. Um, but yeah, I had great, uh, great bosses, so it was never really an issue, and, and I never had that bad work experience in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. I, right after I dropped out <laughs> of university, I just started in that company that was really great, actually, and the team was awesome. The bosses were awesome, and I learned a lot about how to be a, you know, how to work in a team from them. So yeah. Was actually really helpful. Um, let's go back a bit with your environmentally conscious mm -hmm. conscious uh, mindset. Yeah. When did you find out that you care about the the environment, the animals, mm. the entire uh, sustainable thing that we you are now more or less a significant part of? Yeah. Uh, well, I've always loved nature and animals, mm. um, and I think it just time to learn about you know the issues in the world as soon as i you know started learning more about where meat for example comes and you know what that was all about kind of slowly stopped consuming that then the dairy industry and then i <laughs> turned my back on that as well um how can you recycle what can you change in your day-to-day -day life and I, i'm still learning on a daily basis things that i didn't know how you know, what type of products to use, how to read the labels and how to recognize ingredients that you don't want in your life. What type of packaging can you use and stuff like that. So I think it's a constant, it's a constant learning thing because I think the whole world is constantly <laughs> learning how to kind of reverse the damage we've been doing for quite a few years now. Were there any particular happening or influence that you got to say, okay, that's enough, I'm not doing it? I think I stopped eating meat uh, when I watched The Cove, uh, which was a documentary about uh, dolphins uh, in the Japanese Cove who are being slaughtered for meat. And just watching that, not that we have any of that here, you know, mm -hmm. we do have dolphin meat, but still. Do we? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a delicacy. <laughs> I never, 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 never yeah. saw this and never And sharks that. and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. we, we do shark eat that. Shark fins and stuff like this. Yeah. Well, mm. shark fins, no, but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so I watched that. 
and I could not stop crying, like bawling my eyes out for a good two hours. Yeah, my boyfriend at the time, I think I freaked him out quite a bit because I, <laughs> I just lost my shit. Mm. So yeah, I think after that I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I really don't want to eat any meat because mm. I imagine that that's the same thing that was happening with all types of animals. So you started educating yourself on the topic. Yeah. What kind of sources do you use to? The internet. <laughs> yeah, just the internet, really. Mm. I do follow some people, especially now on Instagram or Twitter mm. or whatever, that are really not just famous environmentalists, mm. but people with who have proven their integrity for, for years now. Uh, blogs, you know, and then just, yeah, whatever topic comes up. And I, I also have quite a few friends who are uh, conscious about mm. the way they live, which means that we constantly throw information at each other. So mm. that helps a lot as well. There's a way to, to filter. As a way to filter, as a way to, to get to some type of information that you didn't mm. even think to, to look for. So yeah, having, having a community of uh, like-minded people, I think, really helps. And it doesn't make you feel like a weirdo if you're trying to recycle everything you own. Because <laughs> everybody around you does it. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you, Giri, uh, fight the indifference of people about climate change or sustainable living mm. and zero wasting and consumerism. Yeah. Well, sometimes I get really depressed about it <laughs> and really down and I can't take the world. Uh, but yeah, usually I just don't fight it. I just try to talk with people and, and share my experience and yeah. share, you know, good practices that are re really easy to implement. Mm. Because to be honest, I don't expect everybody to go vegan, you know, tomorrow. So it's just about how about try this recipe that's vegan or just mm. how about trying one day out of the week to not eat meat and and stuff like that and just talking mm. to people without you know being that all self-righteous and and guilt tripping them because that's also not working and everybody has their you know different causes that are really passionate about so the fact that this is mine doesn't mean that it has to be yours mm -hmm. however if i can influence you in any way to to change your lifestyle even a little bit i think that's that's a win but yeah, a lot of times I'm really annoyed with humanity. Right. Not just about sustainability, but about a lot of things. Okay. So do you think that like leading by this example of like doing the things that you think it's right is uh, not fighting them, but um, basically sharing the people that they can join you if they want to, mm. if they choose to? I hope so. Uh, I, I'm really not sure if we have that much of an impact, but I do hope so. I that's how I was raised, mostly with, mm. you know, lead by example. So that's how I, you know, that's the best I can yeah. do, you know. I'll do the best I can and if somebody picks up something, <laughs> yeah, great. There are, there are also awesome com <laughs> campaigns here in Bulgaria, especially the, uh, the Caps for Future campaign yeah. where kids are taught to recycle and collect plastic caps from bottles uh, since uh, kindergarten. Yeah. And it's the only thing probably in Bulgaria that uh, puts people together <laughs> instead yeah, of uh, taking them to different uh, fighting clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we're not really good at coming together here in in Bulgaria. Although when it matters, I think we we do manage to mm. to make things work and just you know support each other. Especially when we've all seen that where there are natural disasters somewhere mm -hmm. in Bulgaria, mm -hmm. some obscure you know village. People do come together and do show up physically and with, you know, whatever they can help. So, yeah, when when push comes to shove, yeah, we do. But 
if it's not really urgent, we are just like, yeah, no. <laughs> not my problem. I know better. <laughs> yeah, not my problem. Not my problem, or I know yeah. better, or that's but, a scam, or that, yeah. you know, whatever. That's kind of a, a bit of hypocritic because on our parliament says unity creates power. <laughs> so. If only. <laughs> if only. Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, um, we're getting there. I think there is some kind of change happening, even on, in the mm. political scene here in Bulgaria. Mm. I hope that things are at least now moving around. Although everybody has it, you know, his or hers own camp, mm. I think we are, you know, slowly changing it and demanding more, which is great. So, what are what are Lamont's plans uh, on <laughs> after winning, uh, getting, <laughs> getting the ring, to take over the world? No, our immediate plans are to start selling officially, uh, to launch officially, and start selling all over Europe. Uh, that's the biggest uh, thing, you know. On the horizon, uh, of course, we are, you know, setting up our own production facility where we want to produce most of our products. So, yeah, hiring more people who can actually work uh, with the machines we want to acquire. And, yeah, building, building up the production and the distribution uh, lines. And, yeah, selling, selling as much laminating and packaging foil as possible. Yeah, Bulgaria is more or less uh, related to outsourcing and mm. IT and technology in general here comes the technology yeah but uh, it's um like a product you're a product startup you're not a yeah a software or sas a type of company um what's the way towards more companies becoming product companies like physical product mm. companies i think that you know globally that's a change that's been happening because for a while you know the it sector was really where all the money went because mm. First of all, you don't need that, you know, that big a team. You don't need a special facility. You don't need equipment that's really, you know, other than computers and stuff. But, you know, you don't need machinery that's 2 million euro. Um, and then you can scale it really fast, which, you know, is great for an investor. But I think more and more now they are looking into impact investment, which is what we are. You know, companies that are going to make an impact and are going to be in, in the production you know, line of work, meaning, for example, Kupfi, it's a, it's a Bulgarian company that just opened their uh, factory here in Plovdiv. They make edible cups, which is awesome because, again, no plastic and no paper and not all of that. Uh, but, yeah, they, there are more and more companies even here in Bulgaria who are walking that, you know, that path. And I think that's, that's the trend that's coming up, developing products, actual products who are going to substitute the ones that we currently use. You as a founder of such a company is, uh, I believe is inspiring like young teenage boys and girls to uh, look for sustainable ways, but also being an entrepreneur and finding their sustainable ways to, to create probably something new. Um, do you spend any time in like sharing what you've learned, uh, what helped you, um, putting some energy into these people that are pretty energetic when they're young. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. And very excited about things. Uh, yes, I've been mentoring for uh, Junior Achievement Bulgaria and from, uh, for Panda Labs, which is a WWF uh, initiative. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, just talking to people is, is always great, but especially with younger uh, people who are really mm -hmm. eager to, to do things. It's, it's always a, mm -hmm. an honor to, to, you know, for, for somebody to want to hear what you have to say. 
If you can go back to 2017 and mentor yourself on what's happening in the next four <laughs> years, what's the advice that you're going to give yourself? Uh, yeah, don't expect everything to to happen in three weeks because that's been, especially in the beginning, <laughs> that was a constant issue. We were always like, yeah, yeah, we'll be done in like a few more months and we'll be out on the market. And it's like, yeah, no, you're actually developing a new product. You need physical time to try things. <laughs> fail <laughs> and then try new things and fail some more and then you know figure out this actual product and how to do it so just chill out <laughs> yeah. let, stop let, you know stop blaming yourself for not being ready with yeah. something that just can't be done in such a short period of time let dr rublekov make his magic yeah and just you know just test things and chill <laughs> awesome i think most of the people especially the our investors were really you know nobody expected us to be ready tomorrow other than we two. Mm. We were constantly disappointed that things are not happening fast enough. And at some point we were like, yeah, nobody does a new product in a year. It just doesn't happen because you need time. So yeah. So we, more realistic now expectations. We, more realistic expectations, yeah. Push yourself as much as possible, but still, you know, <laughs> keep it real. <laughs> awesome. And I guess that uh, having a, a, a team of three mm. helps. I think so, yeah. It, it balances out. And especially because Philip is much more calm than we are. We are I think Angie and I are really energetic and pushy. Okay. <laughs> and he's the calm presence in the, the rational in the mind. Trio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. This is sound this sounds like a great team. Do you have any further um further updates to to creating a, such a um synchronistic team, a team that works well and balances uh, each other's mm. weaknesses, but with your strengths and the other way around? I don't think I have some great mm. advice, to be honest. Mm. Uh, we were very lucky. I mean, that's not something that always happens. So it, it is also about luck uh, to, to find the people you need straight on and you know for everything to go well. A lot of startups start with team of three and then you know, at the end, just one is left and has new teammates because it just, you know, not everybody is built for that type of lifestyle because it is a lot of work and, you know, not a lot of money and no sleep. Not everybody can also take the pressure of creating something and failing constantly because for the first three years, yeah, we had some successes with, you know, but with our product, we mostly failed, meaning we constantly had to try and change something in the recipe and change something in the production method and so on. So it's a constant failure <laughs> until you actually get the product done. So I, I don't think that's a lifestyle for everybody. And that's something you just need to, to figure out even for yourself. I didn't know that I would be able to do that before I tried. So, so yeah, just talk, constantly talk. And yeah, I, the other thing is in the beginning when we decided that we were doing this together, the three of us, we did make a contract, the three of us together, and signed it. Even though we were friends with Angie, we did want to have everything just written down and be like, yeah, this is the thing that we are doing. It belongs to the company. Whoever wants to leave, those are the ways you can leave. You know, these are the consequences if you leave at any point, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, just even if you're really good friends with your co-founders, write it down, sign it. No, have it, have it in, in paper. No, awesome. <laughs> yeah, having in paper. One thing yeah. that we are, for some reason, we are missing, and uh, our journey in Bucharest 
uh, started me uh, thinking on this is the the importance of of uh, family and basically your family and your sister is an architect yeah uh, and and so on and like such a creative family mm-hmm. and you are doing entrepreneurship mm-hmm. so how do you how does your fam how does your family um reacted to your switching <laughs> career paths career paths yeah <laughs> well to be honest uh, being an illustrator is also not considered uh, you know <laughs> a very lucrative career path to begin with uh, but thankfully, I've always had a really supportive family. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of my parents have always supported me, whatever. And, you know, even now, at the beginning, they were not really sure that that's a good idea to, you know, stop working out of things and just try to make a new product. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think even then, when they were clearly not sure that this is a good idea, they were still very supportive about it. And till, the, till this day, they are. Um, my sister as well, she's, yeah, she's an architecture architect, but even she is now an entrepreneur because she opened her own uh, architecture studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's if you have a good foundation family wise and if you are secure that even if you fall, you know, you're not going to lose, you know, your family's love and, you know, you still have support. Um, I think that really helps risking. So I think that's a great thing to have. Well, oh, of course, it's great to have a good family. But I mean, that makes making risky decisions in your personal life and in business a lot easier. Were you aware that you were taking a risk starting something that most <laughs> of the people were saying, nah, this is not possible? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was pretty aware that in a few months we'll be broke. <laughs> but this does not happen. Uh, no, no, no. We, we, we were broke. <laughs> you were broke? Both Angie and I were broke for a really, really long time. Yeah, because okay. we, we would work constantly on Lamon. But the company Lamon. was going. Yeah, yeah. We would work constantly on Lamon. And then we would, both of us, we would freelance on the weekends or during nighttime, you know, to make kind of enough money to survive, but really not enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for good two years, we were like <laughs> barely, <laughs> barely, barely paying the bills. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this is... Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that this story on its own. Uh, so <laughs> how very, to make you know living look good yeah. without actually having money? <laughs> Making ends meet while yeah. you're developing a world-changing uh, a product. <laughs> yeah, awesome. It was a lot of fun, and again, uh, you don't, or at least I really don't need a lot of money to to live a happy life. If I can go to a live show here and there, and you know, see my friends, I cook. Don't need to you know eat food out. So. That saves a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Super cool. <laughs> so I'm wishing you all the best and um, to win in uh, with short knockouts, uh, not to wait till the end, the last round. <laughs> you you get them, girls. Uh, Thank you. And uh, wishing all the best to Lamon. Thank, Thank you, you very much for being here in this edition of the Recursive Podcast. My guest today was the co-founder of Lamon, uh, Gergan Stancheva, and I really wish. Uh, you to become an example of a sustainable startup here in Bulgaria so for all of this uh, all such companies to follow thank you thank you so much for for having me and yeah and good luck to the recursive as well thank you it was a great pleasure having you again in the conversation with uh, my um with me and uh, see you next time see you next time in the next episode of the recursive podcast georgi meets the ceo of a data pro Ilya krestev under its umbrella, Ilya runs a diverse portfolio of companies in the knowledge economy. The fact that um, the business that we work with, well, in, is changing really fast. And basically, um, 
for people that are not willing to change, this is a, is a big issue. Uh, what we are seeing is that if you're not changing your, your, your processes or just breaking down the whole process and starting from scratch, uh, I have seen like numerous times uh, in which if you don't do that, you're actually losing the business. And we have lost a lot of business because of, of not changing uh, or adapting fast. And if you are just as passionate about innovation as we are, hit subscribe for the Recursive Podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. We're everywhere.